Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Hey, hey, creatures are watching us. Careful. Have you locked your doors? Have you brought a weapon for protection? Wait, do you hear that? Twigs snapping. Don't turn around now. Always look forward. <sighs> well, look, you better have a weapon, because you're going to need it. For today's tales, welcome listeners, and I have for you a classic creepypasta, The Rake, as well as a horrifying cryptid encounter titled The Wendigo, which is terrifying in its own right. Do you have your Earl Grey tea at the ready? I do, so join me. Pour yourself some, and let's listen to something sinister. During the summer of 2003, events in the northeastern United States involving a strange human-like creature sparked brief local media interest before an apparent blackout was enacted. Little or no information was left intact, as most online and written accounts of the creature were mysteriously destroyed. Primarily focused in rural New York State, and once found in Idaho, self-proclaimed witnesses told stories of their account with a creature of unknown origin. Emotions ranged from extremely traumatic levels of fright and discomfort, to an almost childlike sense of playfulness and curiosity. While their published versions are no longer on record, the memories remained powerful. Several of the involved parties began looking for answers that year. In early 2006, the collaboration had accumulated nearly two dozen documents dating between the 12th century and present day, spanning four continents. In almost all cases, the stories were identical. I've been in contact with a member of this group and was able to get some excerpts from their upcoming book. A Suicide Note, 1964 As I prepare to take my life, I feel it necessary to assuage any guilt or pain I have introduced through this act. It's not the fault of anyone other than him, for once I awoke and felt his presence, and once I awoke and saw his form, once again I awoke and heard his voice and looked into his eyes. I cannot sleep without fear of what I might next awake to experience. I cannot ever wake. Goodbye. Found in the same wooden box were two empty envelopes addressed to William and Rose, and one loose personal letter with no envelope. Dearest Linny, he spoke your name. A journal entry translated from Spanish. I have experienced the greatest terror, is repeated three times, followed by, I see his eyes when I close mine, they are hollow, black, they saw me and pierced me, his wet hand, I will not sleep, his voice, followed by unintelligible text. A mariner's log, 1691. He came to me in my sleep. From the foot of my bed I felt a sensation. He took everything. We must return to England. We shall not return here again. 
at the request of the rake. From a witness, 2006. Three years ago, I had just returned from a trip from Niagara Falls with my family from the 4th of July. We were all very exhausted after a long day of driving, so my husband and I put the kids right to bed and called it a night. About 4am, I woke up thinking my husband had gotten up to use the restroom. I used the moment to steal back the sheets, only to wake him in the process. I apologized and told him I thought he got out of bed. When he turned to face me, he gasped and pulled his feet up from the end of the bed so quickly his knee almost knocked me out of bed. He then grabbed me and said nothing. After adjusting to the dark for a half second, I was able to see what caused the strange reaction. At the foot of the bed, sitting and facing away from us, there was what appeared to be a naked man, or a large hairless dog of some sort. Its body position was disturbing and unnatural, as if it had been hit by a car or something. For some reason, I was not instantly frightened by it, but more concerned as to its condition. At this point, I was somewhat under the assumption that we were supposed to help him. My husband was peering over his arm and knee, tucked into the fetal position, occasionally glancing at me before returning to the creature. In a flurry of motion, the creature scrambled around the side of the bed, and then crawled quickly in a flaring sort of motion right along the bed until it was less than a foot from my husband's face. The creature was completely silent for about 30 seconds, or probably closer to five, it just seemed like a while. Just looking at my husband, the creature then placed its hand on his knee and ran into the hallway leading to the kids' rooms. I screamed and ran for the light switch, planning to stop him before he hurts my children. When I got to the hallway, the light from the bedroom was enough to see it crouching and hunched over about 20 feet away. He turned around and looked directly at me covered in blood. I flipped the switch on the wall and saw my daughter, Clara. The creature ran down the stairs while my husband and I rushed to help our daughter. She was very badly injured and spoke only once more in her short life. She said, He is the rake. My husband drove his car into a lake that night whilst rushing our daughter to the hospital. They did not survive. Being a small town, news got around pretty quickly. The police were helpful at first, and the local newspaper took a lot of interest as well. However, the story was never published, and the local television news never followed it up either. For several months, my son Justin and I stayed in a hotel near my parents' house. After we decided to return home, I began looking for answers myself. I eventually located a man in the next town over who had a similar story. We got in contact and began talking about our experiences. He knew of two other people in New York who had seen the creature we now refer to as the Rake. It took the four of us about two solid years of hunting on the internet and writing letters 
to come up with a small collection of what we believe to be the accounts of the rank. None of them gave any details, history, or follow-up. One journal had an entry involving the creature in the first three pages, and never mentioned it again. A ship's log explained nothing of the encounter, saying only that they were told to leave by the rake. That was the last entry in the log. There were, however, many instances where the creature's visit was one of a series of visits with the same person. Multiple people also mentioned being spoken to, my daughter included. This led us to wonder if the rake had visited any of us before our last encounter. I set up a digital recorder near my bed and left it running all night, every night, for two weeks. I would tediously scan through the sounds of me rolling around in my bed each day when I woke up. By the end of the second week, I was quite used to the occasional sound of sleep while blurring through the recording at eight times the normal speed. This still took almost an hour every day. On the first day of the third week, I thought I heard something different. What I found was a shrill voice. It was the rake. I can't listen to it long enough to even begin to transcribe it. I haven't let anyone listen to it. All I know is that I've heard it before. And I now believe that it spoke when it was sitting in front of my husband. I don't remember hearing anything at the time, but for some reason the voice on the recorder immediately brings me back to that moment. The thoughts that must have gone through my daughter's head upsets me. I have not seen the rake since he ruined my life, but I know that he has been in my room while I slept. I know and fear that one night I will wake up to see him staring at me. There are two videos concerning the rake. In the summer of 2011, an amateur filmmaker created a horror film based loosely on the rake. It can be viewed in the episode notes to this broadcast. And YouTube user Ryan Murphy also made a video concerned with the rake. See the broadcast notes for more. Whatever you do, if you hear that shrill scream, whispers in the dark, lock your doors. Bunker up and hold tight. The Wendigo A creature from the mythology of Native Americans that lived in the region of the northeastern United States and southeastern Canada. It's born from pure cannibalism and its hunger is never satisfied. There are a lot of stories surrounding the mysterious 13-mile woods of northern New Hampshire. I've heard stories of hunting parties starving out there and resorting to cannibalism. There's no telling what happens out there. This story was told to me by my grandfather, who met one of the people involved. The year was 1957. His name was Arnold Watson. He loved to hunt, and he loved even more to take long hunting trips in the woods. Of course, he never went alone. He had a couple of old friends he had taken along, Andy Johnson and Daryl Tremble. He hadn't seen them in years, so they all decided to go on a week-long hunting trip. They packed up all their stuff, hunting rifles, blankets, tents, matches, a week's worth of ammunition, and food. 
the three of them piled into Arnold's Chevy pickup truck. The ride through the winding dirt roads were long and bumpy. They were deep into the woods now. Then the engine started making clicks and sputtering noises, like it was breaking down. It slowed to a stop. Start, goddammit, said Arnold as he banged on the wheel. Did you fill her up before we left? asked Andy. I must have forgotten. <sighs> Arnold said as he sighed and sat back in his seat. We might as well make camp here. But I don't want to stray too far from the truck. So they ventured into the woods a bit and found a small clearing near a river where they could set up their tents. It was already getting dark, so they started a fire, had a little something to eat, and went to bed. They slept with their guns at their bedside, just in case. They all slept soundly through the night. Arnold was the first to wake, letting out a long yawn. <sighs> he stepped outside of the tent and rubbed his eyes. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. A bear had come and tossed everything about, and eaten almost all of their food. Arnold ran into his tent, grabbed his rifle, and aimed at the bear. His running around had already startled the bear, and it had gotten away before Arnold could get a clear shot. Andy! Daryl! Get up! Damn bear's gotten at our food! Andy and Daryl scrambled up. What in the hell are you? Daryl stared, open-mouthed at the remaining scraps of their food. Most of the shotgun shells had been thrown into the river, and only a few usable shells remain. Holy shit! What are we gonna do now? We ain't got nothing! No food? No ammo? He was cut off by Andy. Just keep calm, Daryl. I think there's more ammo in the truck, and... He trailed off. Do you guys remember the way back? To the truck? Arnold asked, nervously. I think it's this way, or... No, this way. Well, it might have been this way, said Andy. Daryl smacked his hand on his face. You ain't got a damn idea what you're talking about. Daryl and Andy both lunged at each other and started wrestling, cursing in between breaths. Hey, 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 stop that. Arnold pulled Daryl off of Andy. We gotta get along. We're in a survival situation now. Ain't no fun and games. We could easily die out here, and no one would ever find us. Our best bet is to follow the river. Maybe we could find a town, or a trading post, or something. Daryl snapped. A town? Out here? My ass? We're all alone out here. We'll never find our way out. Daryl's always been the weak one. Not very surprising that he'd be the first one to break. They wandered along the banks of the river for a bit, cold and hungry. Night came, but they didn't stop. Sounds started to come from the woods next to the river, like twigs snapping and leaves crunching. Andy perked right up. What the hell was that? Andy whispered nervously. Probably just a rabbit, you wuss. Daryl snapped. Don't be so worrisome. A couple minutes passed and Andy sat down to rest. I'll just be a minute. Go on without me. He panted. You sure? Arnold asked. Yeah, I won't be long. Andy assured. So they continued. 
A blood-curdling scream filled the air several seconds later. The scream cut off quickly to gurgling and sound of something eating. Arnold and Daryl ran back along the stream, screaming Andy's name. Andy! 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 They heard a snarl, and saw the silhouette of a tall, thin, snouted figure with something dripping from its mouth. It growled at them loudly and trotted off into the woods. What in the Lord's name was that? Asked Daryl. How am I supposed to know? Strike a match so we can find Andy. Daryl struck the match and looked in horror. Andy's mangled remains lay on the ground. His face was half devoured, with his skull showing. Blood and flesh covered his face. A whole section was torn out of his chest. His ribs were picked clean. His entrails were out and laying all over him, partly eaten. His thighs were ravaged. There were parts where his bones were showing in his leg. Worst of all, a horrifying expression was displayed on his face, like he was frozen in time as soon as he saw the creature. Oh my god. Oh my god. Daryl started mumbling gibberish, curled into a ball and rocked slowly. Why? Why him? Daryl started. Arnold tried to comfort him, but he was hysterical. We gotta keep moving, buddy. We both loved him. And we gotta move on. Daryl cut him off. How could you say that? You act like you don't even care about him. I loved him like a brother. You don't even care. You selfish bastard. Daryl lunged at Arnold's throat. He gripped it tightly against the ground. Arnold struggled to get out of his grip. He kneed him in the stomach. And Daryl fell to the ground. Arnold started pounding him in the face. Daryl was helpless. Arnold picked him up and threw his head against a tree. Daryl slumped to the ground, leaving a thick streak of crimson blood going down the tree. His eyes turned black and he was crazed with bloodlust. Arnold started chewing on Daryl's left arm, but then he snapped out of it. What have I done? He looked at his blood-covered hands. He stayed there with the bodies, not sleeping, just sitting, with a blank expression, thinking of what he'd done. Eventually, Arnold realized it was his duty to get back to a town and tell people what had happened. He got up and started walking. He walked for hours. Then the twig snapping came, and then the leaves crunching. He felt a warm breath on the back of his neck and turned around slowly. And towering over him was the beast. Glowing yellow eyes, antlers, and a body that seemed half-rotted. The ribcage was exposed, with rotted flesh in and around it. Blood and flesh dripped from his mouth, his face covered in raw muscle and deep cuts. In areas that weren't rotted, like his back and shoulders, were carpeted in short patchy brown light fur. One of its arms were completely rotted to the bone. Arnold screamed and ran, but it leapt and tackled him. It growled in his face and bit a chunk from his leg. Arnold screamed in agony, trying to escape from under it, and squirmed and kicked until he got free, and tried to start punching it. This only angered it more. It lunged at him, but this time Arnold moved out of the way, and the beast tumbled into the river. Arnold saw his chance. 
he tried his best to limp over to the river where it was recovering from the fall. Despite the excruciating pain, he tackled the beast and pushed all his weight onto its head, trying to drown it. It snarled under the water and flailed its arms and legs, but Arnold kept his grip. It slowly became weaker and weaker until it silenced completely. Arnold sighed in relief and fell on his back onto the bank of the river. He rested for a while and tried to move on. He limped through the woods until morning and he found a road. Thank God, he thought. It's almost over. Arnold was on the road for only a short time before a truck came along. It pulled over and the man scrambled out of the driver's seat and helped Arnold. Jesus, man, what happened? Arnold replied tiredly, I'll explain soon. Water, a ride, please. The man looked befuddled. Of course, of course. Let me help you into the car. Arnold climbed in and took a big, long swig of water from the man's bottle. He told the entire story to the man, the same one I just told you. That man was my grandfather. Arnold was taken to a hospital, but died due to an infection on the wound on his leg. Every once in a while, hunters will come back with stories of hearing loud, blood-curdling screams, or similar stories of cannibalistic beasts. Whether they're true or not, there's something lurking in the 13-mile woods. If you ever decide to take a trip there, and you find an old 50s truck or an abandoned campsite, turn back. For God's sake, turn back. And if you don't, God help you. Goodness, The Rake. Apparently there's been a movie this year made of it, and I'm wondering if any of you have seen it, or maybe it's not out yet. Either way, I saw the trailer and it didn't really look like it was following this sort of story. Oh, and I shouldn't have imdb this just now. Um, it got 3.4 out of 10. Huh. With one reviewer saying, where is the story? Okay, so I saw the trailer and I couldn't tell that it was The Rake. So maybe it's The Rake only in name. Which is a shame. There's always a great opportunity for these sort of films to shine based on these sort of creepy and mysterious creepypastas. And perhaps there are various different narratives for The Rake that I haven't come across, so I think I'll still give this film a chance. But The Rake as a creature is disturbing. I can't help but feel that there is a pact or a deal that people make with this creature as it comes to claim its bounty, so to say. It doesn't distinctly say that it's claiming a bounty, but the interactions lead me to believe that there is something to it. Every interaction starts with, we see it, mysterious circumstances take place, and then depending on the rake's reaction to you, it asks you to leave or kills you or someone you know. Either way, freaky as all hell. And the Wendigo never disappoints when it comes to freaky factor. I came across an example of how hard it is to kill a Wendigo. The Wendigo must be dismembered with a silver-plated axe so you can salt and burn the body and then scatter its ashes to the winds, or as a second option, bury the pieces in a remote location, otherwise it can resurrect, and begin to torture you by hunting you till either it or you perishes. Great. So if you're up against a Wendigo, may your bullets be silver and your cunning be gold. 
Thank you so much for listening, my ghouls and ghasts. And I'm feeling something sci-fi this Friday. Oh, and before I forget, I've received a couple of new mysterious author submissions. A huge thank you to those that have submitted. And funnily enough, all of them want to remain anonymous. But I appreciate the emails and the submissions. So even if you're anonymous, I just want to say thank you nonetheless. And remember, if you have any stories, public domain or old classics, that you would love to hear narrated, just let me know. Send me an email and I'll add that to my shortlist. But as I was saying, join me Friday for something out of this world. As always, till next time.